Hi, I'm Enola, and this is episode five of Art and Conversation. In this episode, we'll be talking about street style dance. You might already know what I'm talking about. Picture people in a circle with maybe a couple dancers in the middle facing off through dance styles like popping or breaking. While there are studios that teach dancers how to do this, like Seattle's Massive Monkeys and our city's Chinatown, it's often informally learned. A lot of dancers have gone into it outside of a classroom. Angel Alvier Langley, who often goes by Muñeca, is one of those dancers. She's a Philippinex movement artist who grew up in King County, a region in Washington that Seattle is part of, and says she's been around dancing all her life. While she was formally trained in ballroom dancing, it wasn't until she found the Street Styles Dance community, and more specifically the popping community, at her college, Highline, that she felt like she found her artistic home. I talked with Muñeca about the journey that led her to popping and her mission to highlight femme artists within it. We start by talking about her college highline, where she met her friend Asha, the friend who first introduced her to street style dance. And then this dance space was very inviting. And also it was a dance space I was already related to as a young person who was just like, you would dance in the courtyard, you would just like chill in your friend's basement and there's music. Like just very like normal ways, I don't know, like it was very natural for mm-hmm. us to be dancing. I, I never really thought of it as like a big deal. It, was it wasn't some, like a formal space. It wasn't formal and it, and it didn't need to be and it, and it had, I didn't realize like how formative it was until, you know, people are asking me often like, well, what, where did your journey start? And I'm like, oh, it's like not this studio journey it's very like this non-linear oh like I don't know it's always been around um but yeah Asha ended up creating like a hip-hop club and their plan was her plan was to make a battle and I was like cool a battle (laughs) and like I've I've seen some battle you know Hmm. some battles that's that's cool but like a really formal like battle like getting some judges it was gonna be tournament style and she asked me to make the poster because my job at this Center for Leadership and Service was to make posters. And I was like, yeah, of course, I'll do this. So, yeah, she said in my office, we talked about it. And I was like, yeah, anyway, you want me to support? And, like, at this point, I was, like, starting to cipher with them and stuff. And it was really scary and fun, but mostly scary. And I would wait. <laughs> I would wait till the and when people started leaving to cipher because it was still so <laughs> uncomfortable and I didn't want people to know I was a dancer <laughs> because I was like no like you're going to project all these things about me like I'm not a dancer and could you just really quickly describe what ciphering is yeah so a lot of people so a cipher is like a sacred circle and a lot of the dance rooms I do are from like queer latinx and black diaspora um But especially in, like, communities of color, a circle is just how you convene. Um, A cipher, like, really comes from these, like, really sacred, like, practices of, like, being in a circle, going in, releasing the circle protects. It's about releasing something. It's about calling in something. And, you know, now that it's diasporic in America, like, it's been adapted using these street style forms like breaking popping you know all sorts of club and street styles Hmm. utilize it um but yeah basically one or two people go in and you have a conversation there's a dialogue and the dialogue is between the circle the persons in the circle and the music and like the spirits and the people that you're calling in 
that is what I understand as a cipher, and I think there's multitudes of ways to think about a cipher. This is so funny. I was just talking about this <laughs> in class today. <laughs> that it's not like one person goes in and shows off their moves. That can happen, but like for me, that's not what a cipher is. Like a cipher for me is like the circle's holding me, and I'm able to open and release and like go through catharsis at some level. And that's why at this time of my life, in when I was at Highline, ciphering was really such like an important thing for me because I, I didn't have tools or skills around processing my feelings or understanding like what was really happening around me. Like there was a lot of overwhelm happening in my life. So the access to ciphering and being able to be witnessed and held and for me to move and grieve or feel joy or call in these people or think about these things was really important to me. But I didn't have language around those feelings. I just Hmm. knew like I needed to do this. I was being invited to, I was being called to do ciphering. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, it's like, for me, it's really ritualistic for me. For other people, it's about going in the cipher, calling someone out, and now it's a battle. But like for me, that's not what ciphering is. That's one form ciphering can take, but it's not the one I'm interested in. Um, but yeah, like Asha was throwing a jam, and then a week later, I go, I, I come to the student union building, and I see the biggest cipher I've ever seen. And by cipher, I mean I see the biggest circle I've ever seen. And something was different. This time out wasn't really like a lot of movement or motion. I was just like, huh, whoa, I like, I wonder what's happening. And it looked like people were just like meditating. So I went upstairs and like the vibe was so, I don't know, it was very stagnant. So I went upstairs and then like my supervisor at the time called me in and they're like, do you know what happened? And I was like, what? And I'm like, no, like what's going on? What's up? I was like pretty aloof, you know, because I was just like coming into work. And Asha had passed away in a car crash. And I had just seen Asha, like, earlier that week, like, literally talking about this battle. And so what was happening downstairs in the student union building was a memorial and, like, everyone coming together. But I didn't have the moment to join it because I had to go to work. But then I was allowed to. They are like, yeah, go do what you need to do. Take the day off. And the battle went on. But in memorial, in memoriam to Asha, and I think this was the first place that I truly witnessed grief, joy, everyone holding each other and processing in the way that they needed to in this like battle-like format, which battles are really competitive. But like in this space, this was my first battle that I've witnessed in person. In this space, it wasn't about the battle. It was about something much bigger. It was about us healing and, like, grieving um, one of our dear friends and also the people who were involved in the car crash who did survive, who were there. So it was, like, a really heavy moment, and I realized it was a space that I didn't know I needed. And so ever since then, I just, like, stuck, you know, stuck around, and it was really, like, a space I could meet people, connect with people, be held, be witnessed, and also finding liberation through, like, forms. Um, I didn't know that I was doing these dance forms at the time. I didn't know that there were names to them. 
And that history kept getting revealed, revealed, revealed. And that history is that these forms are from Latinx and black dias- diaspora. And most of them intersected with queer, queer people, queer communities. And I think, like, I think that's where I always honor the history because it was this community that was calling me in to, like, come heal, come be witnessed, come connect, come be in togetherness. And in Tagalog, there's this word called kapwa. It means essentially that, like, oneself as land, as the person in front of you, as each other, as the trees, um, as yourself, your inner and your outer. And that's kind of, like, what I was feeling in this space. And so I ended up staying, you know, and as someone who was really displaced out of communities, like, I found a home. And that's all I wanted was this was a home, and I was invited into a home. And so that's kind of where it started. That's, like, where it really rooted and was, like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's kind of deep, and it's kind of heavy. Hmm. But yeah, it was. It's just like this space where a lot of us were going through a lot, like just unimaginable amounts of shit. Honestly, I don't know if I'm allowed to say shit. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine. Okay. Um, and you know the way that we were coping was w- with community. Like I think healing right now in the Western world is about like you need to do your healing work by yourself. Yes, you do. And I don't think healing was ever that individualistic where you have to be like, all right, you need to just go find your own therapist and like do your work and and not in relationship with other people. And I think and I think that's where like street styles community really complicates that because it's communities of color who always healed together and it's still communities of color who are about togetherness and everything in this western world is about going to do it alone do it alone do it alone do it isolated and at this time of my life and still in my life now doing something isolated has never really been that generative to me Mm -hmm. so yeah that's kind of the the formative years of (laughs) muñeca yeah and i mean now you teach classes all around Seattle. Um, I, and I know a big part of your approach is just like centering, centering that storytelling format. Mm-hmm. How do you, um, yeah, how do you kind of convey that to students, especially because I think, well, I would assume that a lot of them do come in with the assumption that dance is this like strict kind mm-hmm. of like form that you learn mm-hmm. and not so much something as fluid as that. Right, I, I think it's about dismantling a lot it's just about dismantling people's expectations or coming to the circle being like, hey, this is what I'm offering and what are you interested to? Like also giving them the groundwork to be like, because there's nothing wrong with uh, with technique and drilling technique. It's just when we dis- it's, it's just when we compartmentalize technique and embodiment. Like they should be like together for me. Um, what was your question one more time? <laughs> um, yeah, how do you describe, I guess, like the storytelling process storytelling. of dance? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think for me, right, like, because this is all like me and how I approach movement. I think, I think of my body as having a lot of stories and holding a lot of stories, 
like both ancestrally and currently and in the future like there's a lot of stuff in my body there's a lot of history in my body there's a lot of experiences in my body and it's stuck here unless I address them um in terms of storytelling I just think as a person who didn't have a lot of resources like I didn't I didn't have money for painting or paints or canvases or even pencils or sketchbooks. I had my body at the end of the day. And for me, it made sense to process my stories with my body. Um, when I teach class, right, because a lot, of, a lot of my communities come from this place of storytelling and oral history like a lot of what written history is is like for me a very eurocentric like western way of archiving and i'm i'm almost like anti i'm 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 almost anti-archiving especially <laughs> in written word <laughs> because there's something important about passing on stories in a way that's oral in a way that's visceral that's different from like reading something you know um and for me, that's what movement and my body is, is like, this is how I am. I'm always storytelling. Like, even when I'm not performing, I'm in a storytelling mode, like, pretty constantly if I choose to be. So I always tell students, like, some simple activities, like, when we walk in the doors, instead of, like, telling me how you feel, like, pointing to where it is or moving from that place or really asking where your body wants to move versus me telling you where to, when to move, where to move, and um, what part of your body to move with. Um, so it's really like just handing back over agency to my students around what are you trying to say right now and why? Why are you saying it and what's the purpose behind what you're saying? Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Muñeca has also been responsible for one particularly huge event for Femme Street Styles dancers. It's called What's Poppin' Ladies. She told me about how that got started and why she felt the need to carve out a space for Femme dancers in the first place. Um, yeah, and then I guess along that line, could you tell me a, bit, a little bit about the What's Poppin' Ladies yeah. project that you have? Yeah. Yeah, uh, cool. So after Highline, I got into UW. Very different vibe. <laughs> Wasn't, didn't intend to be a dance major. Ended up being a dance major. And I didn't intend to be a dance major because I simply did not see dance as a legitimate pathway ever, ever, ever. Especially in, the, in that department at the time where it was like, if you want to be a dance major, you need to be level 400 ballet, level 400 modern, and you need to be able to choreograph with this aesthetic. And I might I might be lying about that last one, but it feels unspoken like that. There's a particular movement aesthetic that was celebrated, and my movement aesthetic was not that. <laughs> I, like, you know, and there were people who had leg ups, like, they were dancing ballet since they were four. They've had access to classes since they were 10, whatever. I didn't have any of that. So I was going into the department with, like, 
like very little understanding around how to move like within a ballet form or a modern form and I was kind of honestly a little rebellious and resentful while I was in the department but I decided to stay there anyways basically what happened was there was this quote-unquote cross-cultural dance class which I had a lot of myths with but I won't super get into it but basically it was a dance history course that wasn't talking about Eurocentric uh, dance histories like ballet or, or modern. Hmm. It was talking about like black and brown di- diasporic dances. And I and I kind of got irritated because I was like, why aren't you talking about these diasporic forms that I'm also a part of? Like it's happening right now. It's not like it doesn't exist. And then this the answer was like, well, why don't you just write a research paper about it? And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I will because I'm over learning, trying to conform to like a ballet modern way of movement and trying so hard to fit into this program that I was like, you know what, yeah, I'll just do a research project, which I ended up hating doing. So it came out to be an ethnography, which is a type of research where you're a native or non-native, I don't like that terminology, you're like part of the community or not. But in order to do the research, quote unquote, you need to be participating. Hmm. So instead of being like an anthropologist where you're like outside looking in, you're like in it. So you're speaking from a very experiential place. Hmm. And for me, I was already in it. So I was like, okay. So that was the research part of it. And then I realized, oh, you know who's not going to care about my paper, you know, you know that my paper isn't really going to matter to my community like because academia is inaccessible and weird (laughs) especially when you're like I don't know it was just weird I was just like oh you know what I actually want to do is throw like an event or throw like a series of events and basically what I was writing about because this was a time where I realized I was really lonely in the dance department and I realized why, and it was because I felt very othered, which is very real. I mean, there was a lot of reasons why I felt othered. My body didn't look a type of way. It wasn't this skin color. Everything was passive aggressive. It was literally sort of like everyone telling me that ballet is the root of all dances, and that's why I should do ballet. And that's, like, very off. Ballet is not the root of all dances. That's like me saying, like, Tagalog is the root of English. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Colonization is wild. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I realized I was really isolated in the dance department. And then after realizing I was kind of over this cross-cultural dance class, I also realized that I was feeling really isolated in street styles, which is hard. It was hard for me to admit because it was like, oh, I love this community, it's my home. And then realizing, actually, this community is also violent in some ways that I am scared to admit because I don't want it to be mm. real. But basically, it was just not good to femme people. Femme, like any femme energy, like, ugh. Like people, when I go to a battle, it'd be like all men. Like it would be like a a male DJ, a you know a dude on the mic as an MC. All my competitors were men. The crew I was in, 
all men. Um, the only woman or femme person I saw was the person taking money at the door. And then people's girlfriends, which is also fine. I'm glad they're supporting. <laughs> I'm glad they're supporting. I'm glad they're there. But when I would battle, the conversation would become, you know, not about, you know, am I on beat? I'm like, am I like in my body? Am I feeling my power? It wouldn't be about like, am I in my power? It would be about, ooh, muñeca is a femme. And then they would come at me with body rolls. And I'm like, why is mm. body rolls? And <laughs> why are you moving like that? And why are you only mm. moving like that when you're battling me? And why is it that all my crew at the time was telling me my main competition in the room was another woman or another femme person or another queer person? Why are you telling me that's my... And then it'd be like, okay, who's your main competition? And they'd be like, oh, so-and-so. And it'd be like this male popper, male, you know, just a b-boy. And I'm like, why can't that be my main competition? And I was just getting pissed because mm. I was also doing lots of labor in my crew, organizing, people were referring to me for emotional labor. <laughs> and like as a young person, I was just like, yeah, like I'm down to like hold this for you, blah, blah, blah. And then I, and then I realized, oh my God, I can't, like why do I feel so uncomfortable why do I still feel uncomfortable besides that I feel uncomfortable in my body? But really it was like, oh, this space that I thought was home also has some stuff to work on. And so instead of sending my research paper <laughs> to <laughs> my whole community, hmm. um, I applied for a grant to throw an event. And my dream was this, because the first popper that I was watching I didn't even realize she was a popper because I was just like oh my god I want to be when I watched her I was just like oh my god she's so powerful I want to be like her like oh my god and then you know literally I was just starting to absorb like all this learning around popping and like knowing that my body was naturally moving in this like hard-hitting fashion um and then my friend was like, you know, they're popping, right? And I'm like, oh, you know what? I didn't even recognize it because all male poppers look the same when they pop. But when this person pops, when Pandora pops, she, like, has her own flavor. It doesn't look like anyone I've ever seen pop before. Whoa. So anyways, I threw this event. And basically what it was, it was really selfish in my opinion. <laughs> I got the grant and I was like, oh, looks like I have to do the thing because I got the money. So, because I was like, I'm not going to get the money. No one's going to give me money to do this. And the joke was on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they gave me they gave me the money. And I flew in, like, 12 women-identified poppers who I was watching on YouTube or through the Internet or I was talking to via Facebook. Like, I booked them all via Facebook, like, honestly. <laughs> I didn't think this was real. Like, I was like, they're not going to, like, they're not going to talk to some scrubby, like, young 19-year-old, 20-year-old in Seattle. They're just not. And they were all like, yes. And I was like, oh, snaps. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so they came, and it was literally, like, a, you know, instead of me, and, and I never even clapped back to the community, but I guess... I guess this was my way of responding to it because instead of me being like, oh, you know, these are my feelings, this is what I'm seeing, and that being unheard, 
I just made the event. I just made the space because without worrying about it, I just made the space that I wanted to exist in, which is I wanted a woman DJ. I wanted all these women identified poppers to be invited. I wanted the whole judging panel to be women. I wanted the MCs to be women. And that attracted a lot of other women women to come. Like, I had no idea they were coming, and they were just like, yeah, I came from Japan. I'm like, what? You came here from Japan? <laughs> That's wild. And they would get far. And it, and it was wild also just to see so many women in their power and say their stories. Like, I didn't have to say nothing. You know, I didn't even have to say my feelings. So I was like, they're just, they're, they're doing the thing. They're saying the thing. I also said the things, but, you know, it, it was also wild to see who was connected to who already. So it was like, just like this space where everyone was reconnecting and everyone was witnessing each other and they were teaching each other. And there was a lot of history and stories that I had no idea about because guess what? That history always gets erased because you know, God forbid male poppers are like, I learned from this woman. <laughs> Y'all. Yeah. I learned from her. Um, but I had no idea. And I was just like, what? What? And I was, you know, I'm young, and I was young and aspiring, and I I cried. I, like, there was this showcase, and I, like, I didn't know I was having all these feelings, and I was emceeing, and I just started falling in front of <laughs> a bunch of people because the showcase was just so powerful. And seeing women be in their power and that power look like so many different things like that power doesn't always have to look like this hyper aggressive thing or we're just complicating what aggression looks like and also women being aggressive and not being you know taken any sort of way it was wild because it was every time I feel like I can be angry I feel like I'm just gonna be not listened to, called crazy, called a bitch, like, for saying how I feel or for moving the way I want to move. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's popping, ladies. We've done, <laughs> we've done a couple, and we're doing one more this summer. And last year, we just went to Ladies of Hip Hop, which is the grandmother, in my opinion, the grandmother of women-centered street styles events. But Yeah. Cool. So are you trying to make it like an annual thing, hopefully? I don't have, look, anyone listening, (laughs) if you got the coins, I'm here. (laughs) Um, I was trying to make it annual or like every other year, Mm. but I also am deviating away from it being a battle all the time because I have some feelings about being a community that only gets together to battle or only dances to only trains or moves together for the goal to battle for the goal to win you know even in just like session spaces or cypher spaces which is why i was talking about earlier like i don't really like to cypher in a way that's like i'm gonna call you out and we're just gonna battle because if i wanted to battle i would just go to a freaking battle i want to cypher i want to have a conversation with you i want to feel held i don't want you to be attacking me right now like yeah so like what and Honestly, competition is inherently toxic, and that's my opinion. But what does it mean if that if our goal is to get hood famous via battling, and that even in our little in our little kikis and our little sessions, like you can feel when people are just training to 
you know, cut up each other. (laughs) Yeah. And it's weird. And it's weird, and it feels like gaslighting when people make it sound like it's, like, a safe space. Because it's not a safe space to me if all we're doing is sessioning to battle each other. We're not dancing together. We're not dancing together. We're not having a conversation. So this year it's more about uh, What's Poppin' Ladies is sponsoring events basically that are about skill building around what does it mean to be embodied? What's it mean to have a boundary? What's it mean to listen? (laughs) What's it mean to have a conversation? What's it mean to honor history? And how do we embody all of that? And it's just like baby steps because I think there's just a lot in the ways that street styles communities is evolving. And I'm saying this as like a non-black, non-Latinx person too. Like, So I know I have a certain positionality as someone who was invited into a community. But the way that I'm seeing it evolve is just not healthy. Hmm. <laughs> it's not healthy and it doesn't feel generative and it doesn't feel good. Like to be honest, I've been pretty distant from the street styles community as of the past couple years because I'm not seeing us really see each other anymore. I'm hmm. just seeing us be cutthroat. I'm seeing us dispose of each other. I'm seeing us like call out each other in a way that isn't generative and it's not making anyone feel safe and it's sensationalizing something. And it makes like it's like this big fire and people just keep adding gasoline. And it doesn't feel good to show up to a community that compartmentalizes I'm a dancer now, and now I'm a person, and now I'm a dancer, and now I'm a person. It's weird to me because I can't compartmentalize a person. Like, just because you're in a dance space doesn't mean I didn't forget about all this stuff you said on Facebook or all this (laughs) stuff you said, like, a year ago. Mm -hmm. That, you know, our community just doesn't know how to do conflict resolution. And I think it's real, especially when you're growing up as, like, poor, brown, and black, and, like, just all the multiple you know just being on the margins I think it's real to not have the skills and so because I have the access and the network of I know how to access a grant I know how to shimmy shoulders with people who got money (coughs) (laughs) um that cough was not intentional but I know (laughs) um I know how to do that and I know how to use academic language and I know how to use this weird social justice language But those things aren't accessible to the community I'm from, you know? So I know that I have a privilege here, and I know I also have, like, the ability to organize. So I'm willing to organize healers and guides to come in and, like, share some skills, just some basic, like, what does a boundary feel like? You know, just some basic things. And I think, like, yeah, like, I didn't grow up learning that, so I don't really blame anyone, but I also think it's time to, like, start getting real about it because I cannot stand when people call a safe space a safe space when it's not. And I can't stand when people use, like, social justice language because it's trendy because it doesn't make me feel good. It just makes me feel like you're lying to me, and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to think that people are doing that intentionally, so what I'm going to do is just make the space... And you can come because that's what this community did was like the space was there and it invited me. And so now that I've formed my own, you know, experiences, I'm ready to be like, here, here's what I have to offer. And it's not necessarily popping technique. Okay. (laughs) 
Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Art and Conversation. If you're looking for more about Minyeka or seeking past episodes, take a look at Fields' website, fieldsmagazine.com. From Seattle, have a good night and see you next episode.